good, better, best, never let it rest until the good becomes better and the better becomes best. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Craig and Jonah here today. We have sort of a short time uh, window here, so we're going to try and pack a bunch in. Uh, no, uh, we're going to have shortened uh, foreplay today. It's, this, is a quick, this is a quickie. Um, so we, we had a, uh, an interesting question from, uh, um, I won't put their name on here, but um, we, we just got done releasing two episodes of our commentary on the Christopher West podcast where he answered a couple of questions that i had and um this listener i think was chiming in or responding to sort of the question i made about well what's the harm is there harm uh let's say from engaging in masturbation above above and beyond what the church says is wrong or uh, uh solo acts or anything uh it is there an actual tangible harm there other than the, let's say, whatever the church says, if it's a sin, it's a sin. And of course, Christopher West spent a lot of time uh, sort of trying to, well, he kind of said, well, it's sinful, therefore it must be harmful. And we had a discussion about that at our last episode. Um, so this guy says, so I have a question. You acknowledge that we must go to confession regularly. Yep. We've said that. Yep. If, if there's anything that we've talked about more than masturbation, it's go to confession regularly. Go to confession. <laughs> Even if you don't need to, go anyway. Yep. Um, so he said, I assume you agree that we mustn't consume the Eucharist while we, ha- uh, while we have unconfessed mortal sin on our souls. Yes. Yep, we agree with that. Agree. Totally. Can we prove a tangible earthly consequence for not confessing our sins or for partaking partaking in communion outside of a state of grace? I think what he's getting at here is there's no obvious personal bodily harm from receiving communion unworthily, but we, of course, believe it's wrong. Mm -hmm. That makes a good point. That's a fair point. I, I understand his point. Um, kind of requires a distinction here. Um, and, uh, so in my mind, and this, this is me sort of spitballing, this is not a philosopher, theologian, but there seems to be a difference between sins that, that deal with our relationship with God Mm -hmm. versus our relationship with ourselves, our own bodies or other people. Mm -hmm. Um, as Catholics, we believe God exists. Most of us don't necessarily have any, haven't had any physical experiences of God or anything mm-hmm. real. You know, I know there's proofs of God existence and all that. I studied that in philosophy. Um, I don't know that you can reason yourself to convincingly believe God exists, but but we believe God exists. Same thing with the Eucharist. I think you know we believe what, what the Eucharist is, but. I don't know that you can reason your way through. I think it's just a matter of faith, right? Unless you've experienced the Eucharistic miracle. Sure, perhaps. maybe. Um, for most of us, that's mm. not the case. Everything about communion and our relationship with God is sort of based on a, a spiritual belief, a faith that's kind of 
separate for the most part from our own bodies and our own experiences with other people. Mm -hmm. Not saying that's true in all cases, but for the most part, there isn't that same, it's just a different experience between uh, when it comes to, you know, use the Lord's name in vain, skip mass on Sundays. Like, yes, sins, but. As far as tangibly feeling those. Yeah. 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 I mean, so, but I think for the most part, when it comes to sins uh, about ourselves or sins against other people, whether it's, you know, adultery or theft, murder, Mm -hmm. even coveting someone else's stuff, I think. Clear physical issues could result in those. Yeah. Uh, Generally speaking, sins of, of a relationship with ourselves or with others manifest itself in some way beyond the fact that it's a sin Mm -hmm. gluttoning okay you get get chubby like like me okay (laughs) all kinds of i mean that's that's my general experience is that Mm -hmm. there is a correlation there maybe maybe people could think of examples of things that i don't know you know and i guess the reason that we you know recommend going to confession is that it's just the safe route you know um and it really gets at a point that i think about frequently what exactly is a mortal sin as far as like our how often are people in a state of mortal sin you know they have to have full knowledge and full consent you know that's in the catechism but um how many people really have full knowledge and full consent and that's tough to wrestle with and that's where it's up to everybody to decide whether or not they should go to communion i mean there's i'm sure there's sins in everybody's life that you know depending on how you look at them could be considered mortal as far as like if you have a real conservative view on life or scrupulous then you're committing mortal sins all the time. But is that reality? I don't know. That's difficult to resolve mentally, I think. And that's really where the safety net of going to confession comes in. I would say my personal perspective, and this is just mine, this is, take this for what it's worth, but I tend to think that it's less common that people are committing mortal sin than maybe our more scrupulous side would say. Same thing with myself. Um, but I just tend to err on the side of caution. Mm-hmm. If there's any kind of reasonable doubt in my mind, I'm gonna I'm not gonna take a chance. I'm not gonna go to communion, mm-hmm. even though I I don't really think I did anything that satisfies all the, the mm-hmm. different requirements of a mortal sin. I, I don't know. Like <laughs> again, because there's no like tangible blowback, so to speak. If you go to communion in the wrong you know mm-hmm. state. You don't know necessarily whether you're worthy or not. And so. And that's where I think, you know, God is merciful, at least in today's era. I mean, it's not like with Onan where he was struck down, you know, quickly. You know, I think if people were getting struck down quickly after doing whatever, you would really think about things. Yeah, there you go. So so, uh, it It all comes back to Onan. Yeah. All roads lead to Onan. Yeah. (laughs) If God did strike us down every time we went to communion unworthily, I guess that would. uh, Oh, the communion lines would be short. And the confession lines would be long. (laughs) Yep. No, I think that just speaks to God's mercy, though. He loves and cares for us all and just wants us to find the path eventually. And, you know, some everybody has their own different path. Like, especially in today's world, there's uh, a lot of different paths. And I think maybe perhaps. The biggest sin is just going through life, never thinking about God or communicating with God. I don't know. I think that because I think if you reach out to God, he'll always find you, you know, or help you and, you know, along the way. But I think if you ignore God, you make your own path kind of, I don't know. Uh, I was, 
I, I recorded a video. I don't know if I've uploaded it yet or not. I don't think I have. Uh, just It was a thought that came to me uh, yesterday. You know, there are definitely people, people in my life that uh, sort of grew up with the faith, but, you know, really struggle with their belief and, and are very much leaning towards the fact that there is no God. Um, you know, and are in kind of in a very empty, empty space, so to speak. I tell I, what what I tell those people is, look, it, it's don't beat yourself up for feeling the way you feel. You can't you can't just will your way to, mm-hmm. to feeling a relationship with God or believing in God. But what I think you need to do is just show up. Get yourself to mass every Sunday and on holy days. Even if you're just sitting there. If you don't feel like you can go to communion or mm-hmm. whatever, so be it. But make yourself available to God. And, and at least you're doing your part to allow God to reveal himself in the when and, and under the circumstances that he sees fit. And I would say it'd be good just to pray, even if you don't feel like it, just a small bit every day mm-hmm. and just to ask God to just you know reveal himself to you or whatever you know have bring you the peace that you need or the love that you need and i i think that at least in my experience i think god hears those prayers you know like and i don't know i think so i i think think that if anybody reaches out to god he's always going to be right there you just might not see it initially or feel it initially but um he's right there yep so that's good advice and go to confession. <laughs> yeah, I mean, go go to confession. Um, you know, err on the side of caution. There's, it's confession is just a just a good experience overall for the most part. It's a good maintenance. I've never had a bad confession. I guess there's there's sometimes though, or think they're not every. They don't always go the way that I think they're going to go. Not every confession is a home run or whatever. Yeah. However you want to gauge them, but mm-hmm. um, and, and if you've had a bad experience. In the confessional, um, that's that's ter- that's tough. I I can't imagine what that's like. Just find someone else to go to, I guess. And mm-hmm. it's okay. I mean, we're humans. We can't really control our feelings so much. It's just kind of the way we are. You just try and manage it the best you can. Mm-hmm. Just know that God loves you. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I I just think that um, you know. The bodily urges, especially for men, the the sexual urge is uh, you ask every healthy man on the planet, he's going to <laughs> he's going to share that experience. Yeah. Not everyone shares the same belief in God or experience with God or whatever. Like you don't naturally I don't think I don't think we just naturally come into existence understanding that the Eucharist is what the Eucharist is. We, we get mm-hmm. there through faith listening and belief Mm -hmm. i just think they're very different situations and the reason that i dwell on is there harm isn't to say that it's not a sin if there's no incidental harm to it although i think that's i think that makes it worthy of of discussion Mm -hmm. but more so if there's a harm associated with it that we can't see that could help some people overcome things that they struggle with. And this is something a lot of people struggle with. If they could see that not only is it a sin, but it's going to have 
detrimental consequences to me or to my relationships. Maybe that's maybe that's the out of incentive or mm-hmm. whatever that they need motivation they need to overcome it. If mm-hmm. it can, assuming it can be overcome. <laughs> I remain skeptical. Some people have done it. <laughs> they claim. <laughs> so anyway, well, uh, so I wanted to segue here to, I, I want to, can you give us an update on the, uh, on, on the wet dream uh, pill or switch or whatever? Well, so in a previous episode, we had talked about how effective it would possibly be in overcoming sins of the flesh if uh, you could more regularly experienced nocturnal emissions i guess and so we had talked about how if there was a pill that would do that you know would we take it and there's no such thing for men but apparently they've uh, come close to that for women um there is an article here called uh, entitled the Do- a doctor discovers the orgasmatron and there's similar articles about this such on... a great name <laughs> it's like discovering plutonium by accident um <laughs> It's a Seinfeld reverence. Um, so interestingly, there's different ways to do this in women where um, if you stimulate certain nerves, right, either in the back or in the lower back, it can create orgasms. And so they're using it to treat things like back pain or bladder dysfunction. And so there was one treatment where um, they were stimulating these nerves and the women would do it with a, the push of a button. And uh, it would create orgasms accidentally in them. And uh, the one woman apparently had blisters on her finger from pushing the button so much. Something that I can't even. <laughs> Please send me that. I'm going to link to that. Um, so anyways, it just seems like in order to create this uh, scenario or the closest thing to having a pill that you take that produces a nocturnal emission, maybe we need, need to get Elon Musk on board uh, with the Neuralink. And we could set it up to stimulate whatever nerve at like three o'clock in the morning while we're sleeping. And then, you know, it'd be over. Well, and then if you could do that, would it be, you know, morally licit? I don't know if it wouldn't be. And, and well, so a couple of things. Because it's involuntary to a certain degree, but it's still voluntary in that you're, you're setting it up for that. Well, you are... Um if you sleep through it, you're not experiencing the pleasure, which seems to be the big the problem. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people, uh, put a lot of weight on the, on the pleasure you're seeking through solo acts or whatever. If this yeah. eliminates that, does that eliminate people's concern? But I would kind of, you know, to a certain degree, it's better than being tempted. Right. Yeah, I mean, it would solve a lot of problems. <laughs> I I think I'd want it password protected so my my wife turn it on in the middle of the night. But but you know, do you have to be sleeping? So, <laughs> oh gosh, I think pulling out the catechism. Yeah, here. Yes, I think you All should right. have to be sleeping. I would. I mean, if you're gonna set up rules like that, I would think you should be sleeping. But just listen. Now. All right, I'm listening. By masturbation is to be understood the, the deliberate stimulation of the genital organs. Not the brain. In order to derive sexual pleasure. Not the brain or spinal cord. I don't think those are genital organs, are they? Man. <laughs> it doesn't. So by definition, perhaps 
it'd be okay. But I think that also if spirit had, of the law. Yeah, spirit of law versus letter of the law. And then I think too it would lead to problems, you know, like you might wear out the you know, you might get blisters on your finger. I don't know. <laughs> that seems like a risk we're taking. <laughs> but but seriously though, so I mean, I think for women, the, the brain is much more of a I would say a sexual organ. At least half and half, probably. Than men, yeah. I think. I mean, they say that's... But it doesn't even say sexual organ. It says genital organ. Oh, um, boy. I, I, <laughs> I think I think either under even Christopher West's definition, I don't think the brain or the back or some other nerve is a genital organ. Uh, looks like another question for Christopher West, maybe. Yeah, I guess... Because it really... I mean, you could do this potentially. Like, if you had enough money where you know having some sort of elective surgery wasn't a concern you could possibly do this in reality so is it as long assuming that it was through like the spinal cord or some nerve sort of you know so the deliberate stimulation of the genital organs in order to derive sexual pleasure so are you indirectly stimulating the genital organs I would assume that that's probably what they would say. But, but at least for men, but for women, I don't know. If you if you set it up to do it at night, like while you're that sleeping, seems safe. I, I think that'd be a safe the safe route. Where's Elon? Yeah, I mean the Neuralink. I was not a. I was not a. Didn't have a lot of interest in it until now. <laughs> yeah, it might you know because he's going to use Neuralink or he's planning to to help people blind people see again or uh, people that uh, have you know like spinal issues walk or do some pretty amazing medical sorts of things. So this would really be pretty low on the totem pole, you know, compared to those other things as far as the benefits. But well, okay, well, how about this? <laughs> Can couples use the Neuralink in the lady to <laughs> create orgasms during the course of a of an appropriate marital act? I would think so. I mean that now that would be reasonable. That would solve a lot of problems too. Hit the button. <laughs> yeah. Again, again. <laughs> but then you run into is it like, you know, 20 minutes before, you know, like you got, you got to get the timing down. But it's easier with the button. But that's someone else's problem to figure out. We're just here to like provide the solution. They're going to have to provide the ethical parameters. No, I uh man, the Neuralink well, technically, those weren't even Neuralink. That was just like some sort of implant that, you know, but, sent electrical impulses into a nerve in your back or in the woman's back. It is fascinating. And you said they have not really been able to recreate that in men. Well, I for whatever reason, they've only tested women. I And I didn't Google men. I think that they were looking. So bladder dysfunction tends to occur in women more after they have kids. Um, and But do you think lower back pain? That's common for both sexes. So... I don't know. This sound. This sounds uh, like an easier thing to sell than like chemical castration and stuff. I'm just thinking. I don't want to go on a limb here too far, but it seems to me that there's more, more people that would be interested in this route. I don't know. Would you really have like some sort of implant put in your body to get rid of the issues like that? Doesn't it say in scripture if your body? Cause you to sin, get an implant. Like, it off. Don't get an implant. Get an, in, get an implant, and I don't know. <laughs> Sleep through it. Yeah, yeah. We have to go back to the to the Greek or something. But 
I'm really, I'm really fascinated by this. Yeah, the orgasmatron. Who would have thought? Wow, We're closer to that nocturnal emission pill than we ever thought, huh? Yeah, I, this sounds organic. You know, this sounds even more organic than a pill. <laughs> It's just like electrical waves, like it's like essential oils almost. <laughs> For those that really want it natural. <laughs> yeah, there isn't much more natural than an implant. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Computer generated. <laughs> oh, well. I don't know. It's funny to think about, but maybe I bet you someday that could be a reality though. Like if they if it can do doesn't seem very far away. It does not seem that far away since it's reproducible. Yeah, well, considering yeah, they've already been able to more or less do it in women. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. That's... Um, hmm. So, that it, it feels like a poor segue to go to this. Uh, anything else you wanted to add about that? Um, yeah, I was going to... So... They conducted the so this uh, the sample size is small. There was only eleven women involved, and uh, it was published in the journal of the American Society of Anesthesiologists. So six of the women, six of eleven, had never had an orgasm before. Five of them had, but then lost the ability. The but they were able to stimulate ninety one percent of the women. Ten out of eleven. Yep, that's amazing. Yep. So uh, there was a 48 year old woman who participated in the study that told Good Morning America that she lost her ability to achieve orgasm when menopause hit. But she says the device, uh, you know, dubbed the orgasmatron, allowed her to experience extreme pleasure once again. How have I not heard of this before? I don't know. This is an article from 2004. You're probably in the seminary back then. Jeepers. Almost. Once we found the controls, what caused the stimulation to be greater, more pleasurable? That's when um, they saw results. Um there were a couple times where she had multiple orgasms because of the, the stimulator. Um, well, I can already see the... the but they, the, they, she said the most difficult part was when the study was over and they had to give it back. <laughs> she didn't show up for her last appointment. <laughs> she says, when I gave it back, I came in the office and the doctor took the electrodes out of, you know, and uh, it was like I was losing my best friend. <laughs> it was very hard to give it back. It worked so well. That's uh okay. Well, I'm sure the naysayers are going to be uh, all over it. Go ahead. So, so basically, the study it was direct sacral nerve stimulation, and the device is FDA approved for bladder problems and pain. So it has received FDA approval. Does anything go inside? The woman? I think it's so. I think it's in your back. I think it's in their back. So the sacral nerve is near the lower back. Um. Yeah, I I don't know. It's all right. So I got to know people's thoughts on this. So, all right. What do you? What, what? Okay. So the device can cost up to seventeen thousand dollars. So you know, I mean, it's not like crazy money, but it's, it's a lot of money though for like a, a, a sex toy. You may have to. But... You may have to share one. You have to get a. <laughs> I think it's an implant, and it's in there. You know, I'm, I'm. It sounds like they could remove it fairly easily though just based on this article but I don't know. but the doctor says that he believes some women would be happy to pay that amount to have the orgasmatron permanently embedded in their lower backs he says the device could be implanted on an out, outpatient basis so that seems pretty simple i can't believe that 
this isn't everywhere right now. So and it's funny, it talks about sacral nerve stimulation. I, I saw some of my YouTube feed is pretty insane, really, basically because of the show. But there was this woman that said that she was able to achieve orgasm by her husband uh, massaging her lower back, basically her sacral nerve area, which is the lower, like kind of triangular shaped part of the lower back. And uh, so. Well, it's been it a long like you could stimulate that area without an electrode. It's been a long, long time since we talked to our old friend, Jeannie. I'll have to ask her about this, but she is, she claimed that um, there's all kinds of different ways that women, even just through pure mental exercise can achieve orgasm. Which, which is a very different experience than for a man. Yeah, there's like one way. Um, that that I, I'm just very fascinated uh, in terms of uh, two big questions. Number one, what do people think about that? Do you think you do you think it? Do you think it's consistent with the catechism? Does it matter if you're awake or not? Does it could. <laughs> Can if you if there was an equivalent thing for a guy, they stuck an electrode in your back and it created that, and then you'd never have even the temptation again. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, so what is some he... people are gonna say? No, you still have the temptation. I suspect that it'd be lessened. I think so. I I would say, especially like, and I don't know, maybe you you know, it doesn't seem like that like it's an automatic timer sort of thing yet. So like you'd still have to have your spouse wake up and hit the button or something like that. You know what you're sleeping. Hmm. That 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 seems like an inconvenience that uh, you could bribe your way around. I don't know. <laughs> so what do people think? Do, do do you think what's your overall reaction to this? Uh, and from an from an ethical or moral standpoint, does it matter if you're awake or not? Does it matter if it's man or woman? Uh, and then second, the more important question: Would you do it if it was? If it if it was more widely available, mm-hmm. you know, seventeen thousand is you know a financial constraint for most people. I would say <laughs> to solve a problem like this, you probably offset it by some of the kids you're not having. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well that's you know if you combine that with uh just boy you know that's a solid point as far as i would think that for a vast majority of catholics that practice nfp many of the children come from you know just more the man side of things than you know, and that's super the, intentional. The woman initiating, yeah, yeah, yeah. not super intentional, but okay. Well, um, I hope people will comment on that. I'm curious what <laughs> people. Please don't call my bishop about it, but uh, we're just talking openly. Yeah, yeah I, I'm fascinated by it. So uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap this. My, up. my my feeling are is that if you're sleeping, I would say that it's potentially it seems like an easier in the call. realm. Yeah, like an easier call. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I hope we haven't heard the last of this one. So, <laughs> yeah, the article is old. I should dig for new articles. Okay. All right. Thank you, Jonah. Until, you bet. Till next time, everyone. Go to confession. <laughs> Have a good one. Bye.